And good morning. Great to see you this morning as we gather together to uh, worship God and uh, spend some time uh, celebrating what God is doing in our lives. Uh, I uh, want to welcome everybody that's watching online this morning as well. Great to be with you on a beautiful day in North Texas. Amen? What a beautiful day for sure. Well, the uh, song that we just sang, uh, the chorus of that song, it's a, it's a hymn. It's been around a while. It says, this is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Uh, and it's, it's really a song that is intended to help us think about our stories, and that's really what this series that we're in right now is about. It's about our stories. It's called My Story, but you understand it's not about my story. It's about, well, it is about my story some, but it's about your story. It's about the story of God in your life and where God has moved in your life, what God's doing in your life. And uh, I just want to invite you today to think with me again about the importance and priority of telling our stories to other people. Uh, you know, last week I talked with you about the fact that everybody has a life story. Everybody has a life story. If, if I were to sit down with you and ask you about your life, you would tell me about where you're from, you'd tell about your parents, about your kids, if you have kids, maybe grandkids, if you have grandkids. Oh, you would talk about a lot of things, what you do, that kind of thing. But I invite you to think about uh, the idea that you have a life story, but also you have a story. If you are a follower of Jesus, you also have a story about when Jesus became more than a name to you. And this idea of Jesus becoming more than a name is, is, is about... Uh, we got to it last week uh, using the video that we used a couple weeks ago on Football Sunday. Uh, we used the video from Prince of Mukamara, and he talked about how in his own faith journey, as he was uh, struggling with his relationship with God, he began to talk about how he was a believer when he was in high school. But it wasn't until he got to college, he says, that I became a follower. And, and I, think, I think everybody gets that, don't you? Right? the difference between a believer and a follower. I've said it many times, a believer, you can be a believer all day long. You can believe in God, you can believe in Jesus, but you're not a follower until Jesus gets into here. So one of the questions that would be relevant to ask you this morning is, uh, has Jesus gotten into here? Have you moved from believing to following? Uh, and uh, that would be Part of what I would invite you to think about as far as how does it relate to your story. My story is the title. So today, uh, we're going to explore a little bit more. Today, I want to invite you to think with me about uh, something that I've talked about many times in the past, and that is that uh, it's not just about my story, it's about my BDA. And BDA is an acronym. It's for before, during, and after. And it's a, it's a simple way of trying to think about how we might tell our story about Jesus. Now, you have a story, hopefully, about Jesus, about when, when he became real to you, when he became more than a name to you. Uh, and in that, wrapped in that story would be talking about the power, the difference that Jesus has made in your life every single day, about what is my life like, what was my life like before, what was going on in my life when I was wrestling with something going on in my life, and, and that had to do with wrestling with God. Maybe you were looking for something, you were looking for God. What was going on before? What was going on during the wrestling that you might have had? And then what, what happened afterwards, before, during, and after? What happened afterwards? What happened after you accepted Jesus into your life? What was your life like since then? Now, there are two different kinds of BDAs. Let's be clear about that. The first one is 
how you came to faith in Jesus Christ, when did Jesus become more than a name to you? And that may have happened a long time ago. But one of the questions that people want to know is, well, if you accepted Jesus way back then, let's say you accepted Jesus 20 years ago, what's he done since then for you? And, and so the second kind of BDA is a story about what Jesus has done in my life recently. And, and if, if you and I were to sit down and have coffee, I could tell you, I could tell you literally hundreds of stories about my life and what, about what Jesus has done in my life recently, about the way that he's helped me overcome so many different challenges that I've had in my life. And there are uh, plenty of people here who have opportunities to share their stories and talk about their stories, but a BDA is something that you share about who Jesus is or about something that Jesus has done in your life recently. And as I tried to make the case for you last week, this, this is really critical for the church today because the world in which we live is turning a deaf ear to the church. And what they're doing is they're turning a deaf ear to us. That, that the stories that we might tell, they think are irrelevant uh, because they don't know who Jesus is. And the only way that they're ever going to get to know is if you and I engage in telling our stories, talking about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us. But before I go any further this morning, I want to invite you to think with me about why you should tell your story. I mentioned it a moment ago because of what's going on in our society, about the importance of, of how people are bailing on God or bailing on the church. And I would submit to you that I think people, when they bail on God, let, let me just be frank with you for a moment and, and say I think that a lot of people bail on God because they haven't become a follower of God. They may believe, but they haven't followed. And when you begin to follow, you begin to realize how important Jesus really is in your life. Now, everybody here has uh, heard about Yelp, right? You know about Yelp. You use Yelp. You go out to dinner someplace. You go downtown or you go to some city that you aren't aware of. You say you're in St. Louis or you're in Seattle or wherever. Never been there before. You want to find a nice restaurant there. You pull up Yelp. Yelp finds out where you are, and you ask it for steak food or seafood or whatever it is, and, and, and it'll show you all those restaurants around where you are, and then it will give you ratings for those things, right? And those ratings are based on what people say. And so you look for the restaurant, you find the kind of food you like, and, and then you, you begin to explore the various recommendations that it has, and you start looking at the reviews. It takes only maybe a minute or two minutes, but you're scrolling through, and, and, and you can tell the difference between somebody who is genuinely reviewing something, they're giving you a response about what their experience was like, or, and you can tell about the people that have access to grind, because they're people that have access to grind about everything in life, and, and you read them, okay, well, you take that one with a grain of salt, but, but you know, like me, if you're looking at Yelp, and you're looking for the reviews, you want as many stars as you can get. Five stars is a great rating, right? And, and, and the, the more positive comments you have, the more inclined they are to try it. The more inclined you would be to try it. If you pull up Yelp and you say, hey, it's got five stars, you look at all the ratings, wow, this looks like a great place. You go try it based on what somebody else says about that restaurant. And these are people that you've never met. You don't even know them. Your BDA your BDAs are Yelp for non-Christians. 
And, and my prayer is, is that your BDA would be a five-star kind of recommendation for who Jesus is, for what God is, for who God is in your world, that when you say it, somebody might be inclined to, to venture out into this Christianity stuff simply because you gave it some great review. That's your BDA. And it's got to be something that we invest in and explore and continue to uh, think about because our BDA have, has, have impact on other people, and I'm speaking about the people that are in your world, the people that you work with, the people in your family, the people that you have influence with, at least some influence with. Those are people that likely trust you. They likely believe in your character. They likely think that you're an okay person. And so when you say, hey, Jesus has done this for me in my life and in this situation, uh, when you say those kinds of things, it has weight to it when you speak it to somebody that you know. They're going to be inclined to believe what you say because they already know you. They have a relationship with you. They trust you. They believe in your character. So when you begin to speak uh, uh, about your story, they begin to buy in that maybe this, there's something to this, which would be very different than if I were to walk into the place where you work. And, and Because sometimes I get people say, boy, Frank, I wish you would come to work with me and talk to this coworker that's a few cubicles down and, and invited them to church because I know they would come if, if you would come and invite them. And, and, and let me just lay that out for you to say, I think that's absolutely ridiculous. Because if I showed up at your work, you and I have a relationship, but that person that's in the cubicle down the way doesn't know me from Adam. I'm not a trustworthy person to them. I have no credibility for them. And so if I were to walk in and say, hi, I'm Frank Briggs. I'm one of the pastors at, at your friend's church down there. And, uh, and, and I sure would love it if you'd come to worship on Sunday. We've got three services, one at 830, one at 945, 1115. Come and join us. It's great. How likely is that person going to respond to me in that way by, by me inviting them versus you inviting them, you telling them, your story. That's why BDAs are so important. Because people begin to hear about the reality of God from somebody other than somebody that they expect to hear about God from. And that would be a person like me. You are a credible person. You have a great story to tell. And somebody that you're going to encounter very soon needs to hear your story. Not my story. Your story. So do you know your story? Could you articulate your story. And oh, by the way, as I said last week, if you don't know Jesus in a way that is more than a name, I challenge you this morning to begin to, want, begin to ask yourself the question, am I a believer or am I a follower? Because there's a huge difference between those two about believing intellectually in God, believing intellectually in Jesus, and actually following Jesus with your heart. In this world, if we're going to make a difference in this world, if God is going to make a difference through us in this world, we have to be people who are telling our stories. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not talking about going over that person in the cubicle that I was just mentioning and taking your Bible down there and whacking him on the head and saying, hey, do you know Jesus? Because that would be an ineffective way of helping them learn about Jesus. I am saying that you, based on your life and your credibility, have great influence in the people in your world. Now, another reason that it's important for us to tell our stories is because the, the Bible begins to, to invite us to think about 
uh, the power of God and God wanting everybody to know God. Now, I'm going to read to you from uh, 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 6. It says this, First of all, then, I ask that requests, prayers, petitions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. Pray for kings and everyone who is in authority so that we can live a quiet and peaceful life in complete godliness and dignity. This is right, and it pleases God, our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. There is one God and one mediator between God and humanity, the human Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a payment to set all people free. Now, I hope you heard in that in verse 4, uh, verse 3, it says, This is right, and it pleases God, our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. This is God's perspective for our world. God wants everybody to know this eternal God that we love. God wants everybody to know that. And the only way that they're ever going to know that, the only way that everybody's going to know that is if you and I take seriously the sharing of our before, during, and after stories. So let's talk about your story. Let's, let's remember that it's about the story of your life, and as I've mentioned already, you're going to layer on that uh, your experience with Jesus, about s something about your life, about some way that God has moved in your life recently, and, and it's about what God has done for us. It's, it's a BDA. It's our before, during, and after stories. And just like we did last week, we're going to use some of the stories from Football Sunday some of those videos to help us think about telling our stories again because they, the videos that we used then were all videos that helped us think about the power of story. So this morning, we're going to look at the story of Nate and Lexi Solder. Uh, Nate is an offensive tackle for the New York Giants, if you haven't heard about them. Uh, uh, before that, for seven years, he was on the Patriots and Pro Bowler while he was there. Nate is uh, six foot nine, 319 pounds. And so this is a serious uh, sea of humanity that Nate is all by himself, right? So well, let's watch the first video as they begin to tell uh, their story. Nate and Lexi Solder. When we found out I was pregnant, I, he was at work, I think, and he um, wasn't home. I took a pregnancy test in the morning and it was positive. I put it in a, like a jewelry box that I just have like laying around the house and like wrapped it up in something. And I was like, oh, I don't want to open this. I'm not into gifts. Like I don't want to, and, and, and she, she's like, no, no, you want to open this one. And it was the first pregnancy test and it was positive. And I was like, what do I do now? <laughs> I do remember having one freak out moment because uh, we have a cat. And I was like, because I'm reading all these things about how cats can give diseases to pregnant women, all this stuff. So I'm like so nervous. So I'm in there vacuuming at three in the morning, vacuuming the whole, the kitty litter over the floor and like just going nuts. And I was like, I read my Bible. I tried calling people, but it's three in the morning. So I was like, I have no one to talk to. So she's like, Nate, why are you up at three in the morning vacuuming? I, was like, I don't know. I'm so nervous. Hopefully you, you get the point, they're just speaking their story. They're just telling about their life. 
Uh, if if uh, Nate and Lexi were to show up on uh, Sunday morning, let's say they walked in on Sunday morning, we probably wouldn't notice Lexi, but we would notice Nate, this giant human being, right? And a lot of us would be in awe. This is an NFL star, great NFL player, wow, all that kind of thing. And, and, and you hear, you begin to hear their story, and all of, the, uh, all of the, the pretenses that we put on people begin to drift away because they're just telling their story about their lives and who they are and what's going on. And part of what is incredible about BDAs, about telling our story, is that we begin to tell people not about just when we got saved, about when Jesus became more than a name, but we begin to articulate about how God has carried us through very challenging times. And I, I, I submit to you that the people in your world, the people that would listen to you, uh, they, they aren't as concerned about when Jesus became more than a name to you. What they, what they want to know is, what has Jesus done for you recently? And part of that has to do with being willing, you and I, to, to admit, to recognize that we have problems. It is strange to me that one of the fallacies in the church is that, that oftentimes church people act as though they have no problems. And, and it's as though they have bought this lie that says you can't tell somebody about the problems that you have because then somebody's going to find out that, that your life isn't perfect. And well, guess what? My life isn't perfect. Your life isn't perfect. Why are we involved in this charade to try to keep people from knowing that we've got problems? One of the common denominators that we all have is that everybody in this room has challenges in their life and world. And if you're going to tell your BDA to somebody that doesn't know Jesus, part of what is critical about that is that you be willing to share some of your own struggle because when you do that, then they begin to realize that Jesus is real. When you talk about how Jesus helped you through whatever challenge it was that you were facing, then they begin to recognize that Jesus is real. So let's look at the next video of the soldier's story as things begin to unfold. We were giving Hudson baths, and um, I remember Nate said at one point, like, this feels weird. He has like a weird sort of lump on his left side. So we were friends with the pediatrician. Let's just text her. Let's text uh, Rachel and see what she says. So we go over house, and, and she's feeling his lump on his left side and feeling sort of the right side of his belly. And, and she's like, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't really worry about it. We'll keep an eye on it. She said, I want him to have an ultrasound today. So I was like, okay. I remember like getting in the shower and getting ready to go. And I was just like started crying in the shower because you just know, I mean, a mother's intuition, you just know it's not good. He was diagnosed with bilateral kidney tumors, which is really what, that is the basis of what we know. Um, his doctors have thrown around uh, Wilms tumor, which is pretty common. We were in the hospital for four or five days. It was just an onslaught of different medications, different types of options for how we could treat it. There was probably 10 different doctors who talked to us about it. His kidneys were, they said, were the size of pears in a three-month-old, when they're supposed to be the size of peanuts. So he was on chemotherapy for a full year. 
His kidneys um, shrunk tremendously. They looked like normal kidneys, but they always still had some spots in them. We were off for a year, and one of the spots started to grow again. So they thought the best course of action was to start chemotherapy again. They shrunk, and if they didn't shrink, they would not grow anymore. After a year of that, he still has tumors in his kidneys. But they're small, and they haven't grown very much. So that's kind of where we're at now. Who knows what we're going to do with that, and surgery might be down the line, or more treatment, or who knows. So, yeah, we take it one day at a time. That was the during portion of their story. It, it reveals to us what was going on, their struggle, right? And uh, as I mentioned already, if, if we were to, if, if Nate was to walk in here, we might be in awe, but if he told that story to us, all of a sudden all of the defenses would go down, wouldn't they? We'd begin to realize this guy is just like me. He has problems that he faces. And so the soldiers are telling the story of their life, and they're revealing to us a very personal thing, something that a lot of us may not even be willing to share uh, with somebody else about some problem that's going on with one of our kids, something that's going on in my life, something that's going on with my wife, something that's going on, something that's hard. Sometimes we don't tell about those kind of things because they're so very personal, but, but realize the impact of sharing that personal part of your story with somebody else and how it impacts you and how it would impact somebody else who may not have faith yet. But by being vulnerable, by speaking about the challenge that's going on in you, they begin to see and experience the power of God to move and change just by sharing your story. And part of what is beautiful about a relationship with God is that God has this unique ability to take hard things that happen to us bad things that happen to us, and God, through his power, knows how to begin to bring good things out of the bad. I wouldn't for a moment stand here before you today and say that little Hudson and this condition that Hudson has was something that God desired for Hudson's life. I wouldn't for a moment say that. But I would say I, I believe that God the power of God in Nate and Lexi's solar begins to allow them to do things and see things and experience goodness in their world that they wouldn't have experienced otherwise. Paul said it this way in Romans 8, verse 28, a verse you've heard many times. We know that God works all things together for good for the ones who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose. We know that God works all things together for good, for the ones who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose. It's, Paul says, look, bad things are going to happen to you, and there are plenty of people in this room today for which you are struggling because something bad has happened in your world, and you're struggling trying to figure out how do I go through this? How do I get on with my life? Let me encourage you to hang tight with Jesus, to hold on to Jesus because he's the one who knows how to walk you through, carry you through whatever challenge you might be facing at this time. The power of God living in you begins to help us see good things, even though bad things are going on. The last part of the soldier's story that we'll share with you this morning is about how they began to deal with 
the condition of Hudson and how it impacted their life to do some other things to, to bring good in the midst of the pain that they were enduring. Let's watch and listen. We were at this sort of time in our lives where we felt like Hudson's situation was sort of stable and, and we started looking outward in ways that we could help or make an impact. I always say if, if Hudson was born in Uganda or Guatemala or Thailand or whatever with his condition, with his kidneys, he, would, he wouldn't make it. Uh, we were able to find Compassion International. They introduced us to kind of some of the programs they did, some of the kids, and I think both Lexi and I were thinking, we're gonna do something big. They get a good meal, they get evaluated, they get health records, and then they get Bible lessons, so they, they learn scripture and, and kind of, they, they act it out in the way that they treat each other. And then one of the biggest things is too, they have access to school, so they're all their schools paid for, and they have access to medical care, so they can go to any hospital and they get all the medical care covered too. You know, we have our NFL life and we have our compassion commitments and, and then we have our, our kids and our home life and, and all are very different and unique. And I think that middle section for us is Jesus. And I think that's really what connects it all. Isn't that great? She can say in the midst of these challenges, in the midst of the hardness of all that's gone on with our lives, Jesus is the connecting place for it because as they hang on to Jesus, they know that no matter what comes, they're going to survive it. They're going to be able to go through it because Jesus is the center of their lives. It is their BDA. So let me just ask you about whether or not Jesus is the center of your life. About whether or not Jesus has become more than a name for you. About whether or not you are a believer or whether you're a follower of who Jesus is. Part of what is important for people to hear about in your BDAs is, is that the strength that you have comes not from you. It comes from another source. It comes from God, the power of God moving in your life, in your world. So let me invite you to share, uh, let me share with you uh, another BDA. This comes from the Bible. This comes from the Apostle Paul. I'm going to read from Philippians 3, verses 1 through 14. Listen to Paul's BDA. He says, whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. Do you hear what he's saying right from the get-go? Hey, look, I need to tell about the goodness of God because it strengthens people's faith. That's what you do when you share your story. Watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. For we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort, though I could have confidence in my own effort if, if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees, 
who demanded the strictest obedience to Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church, and as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have discarded everything else, counted it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. So that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Let the church say amen. amen. Paul's, one of Paul's BDAs that he shares from the scripture. He begins by talking about rejoicing in the Lord. I, I mentioned that already. It, it strengthens and encourages somebody's faith. He warns uh, about the false teachings of the Jews. The Jews would call the Gentiles, the Gentiles being people that were not Jews, the Jews would call them dogs. And in the Bible, the dog was a representation of evil. And Paul has the audacity, speaking to a Jewish crowd, to say, you guys are the dogs because you are promoting evil. You are saying that it is by your righteousness, by your works, by your circumcision that you are made right with God. And Paul says that couldn't be farther from the truth. You cannot be made right with God by anything that you can do. You have to have your heart circumcised meaning you have to have a belief and a following of God. He, he, he responds to what they're thinking, like, yeah, you're a Christian, but you don't really know Judaism. And, and Paul launches into his pedigree for why they should listen to him if he were just a Jew. He says, I was circumcised on the eighth day, which was the instruction from God. He says, I was of the pure lineage. I was from the line of Israel and not Ishmael. I was of the tribe of Benjamin, an elite Israelite, a Hebrew born to Hebrew parents who spoke Hebrew in our home when everybody else was speaking Greek. I was a Pharisee. The Pharisees were the anointed ones, the separated ones. Paul says, boy, if you want to know about my pedigree as far as being a Jew goes, I got a laundry list that would outstack anybody else in the room. I had all the reason to believe that I was righteous because of what I was doing. And then he goes on, your rightness with God is not based on what you do. It's based on your faith. You need to know Christ, he says. And it's actually the same word when he says you need to know Christ. Same word that God uses in Genesis when he talks about Adam knowing Eve. And we often turn our attention to thinking, well, that's a, a, a sexual reference. Well, it is in some ways, but there's a much deeper meaning to this word know, and it has about 
It, it means having intimate knowledge of somebody else. And Paul says, you need to have intimate knowledge of God. It has to do with not just believing, but following as well. You need to have the sacred knowledge of Jesus based on the power of the resurrection and based on your own suffering that you have suffered, which also allows you to understand the suffering that Jesus had for you. And then these last few verses, he talks about what it means to be full grown. He says, if you're going to really be full grown, you got to hang on to Jesus. Just like Jesus hung on to me and I became a follower of Jesus, you need to hang on to Jesus as well. Paul's BDA. He, let me paraphrase it for you. He says, before I knew Jesus, I was a proud, proud man. While I was struggling with my life, what I thought was important, I realized was not important because everything began to pale in comparison to my Jesus that I invited into my heart. And afterwards, he begins to speak about the direction that his life has and the power of that direction and how wonderful it is to be grown up because of Jesus. And we have one last BDA to share with you this morning. Uh, this comes from someone in our church. Her name is Lindsay Reyes, and Lindsay is going to share some of a part of her, uh, one of her BDAs about her life and her story of Jesus. Listen as Lindsay shares with us. Hi, I'm Lindsay Reyes. My husband is a Dallas firefighter. We have three children together. Um, they are three, 11, and 13. And I am blessed enough to be able to work from home as an online business manager, so I get to spend a lot of time with them, which is perfect with my husband's schedule, so it works out very well. I grew up in Minnesota. I was born, was raised in the Lutheran Church for a while. I was baptized very, very young. And right about the time confirmation would have happened for me, we switched churches to a Baptist church. And my mom likes to say I fell through the cracks at that point because my brother had been confirmed, he's older than me, and then my two younger sisters were baptized in our new church. And I was kind of just in limbo in the middle of that. And I always felt self-conscious about it. I was pretty shy when I was younger. And so I was very worried about people thinking, oh, she should have done this already. Why hasn't she done this? And as time went on, it just snowballed and got worse and worse about, I should have done it, I should have done it. And in my 20s, I definitely strayed from my path with God for a while. Um, I was searching for happiness and not finding it. Um, and also in my 20s, I lost my father and I had my daughter. And so I had some pretty big life events happen during that time. And once I had my daughter, um, things kind of were just rolling around like, you know, I was not, I was lost. You know, I was lost. I was searching for something, but I was lost. And I ended up going back to that church um, that I had been raised in and just searching for, for that grounding, that happiness, that thing that was going to be there for me. And the first time I went back, it was God just spoke directly to my heart that day. I was sitting in the pews, and I remember I just felt like I was crying the whole time I was there. Um, not because I was sad, but because it just really was, he was just touching me so much. And I was very thankful because I knew I wanted to raise my children in a church also. 
And so I went back for a long time. And again, those feelings came back of, oh, I should get, get baptized. Like God was kind of nagging me. And, and I wasn't listening at all. I was not listening because I was too scared of what everybody would think <laughs> and how that would look. And it was more about me. Um, and as the years went on, my, my walk with God grew closer. And then I moved here when I married my husband. Um, and it took me quite a, a while, about five years, to find this church. And when I found this church, one of the first sermons I went to was um, they had said in the announcements they were going to do baptisms at the lake. And in my mind, I thought, oh my gosh, that's exactly what I want to do. And I had been praying for that whole time about the baptism thing. I struggled with whether or not I should do it. I spoke with my husband about it a lot. And um, it finally became real to me when I, when I came here. And it was just, it was so clear as day when I heard that. I said, that's what I'm going to do. And it was too late at that point to do it. I think it was like that weekend or something that it was happening. And I was still sort of nervous and shy and didn't really know anybody. So I said, I'm going to do that when, when they do that next year. And then the next year came around and I did it. And that was my final step in my obedience to Christ and really fully giving everything to him and having him live in me every single day. We are actually doing a study right now um, with some other moms here about Colossians. And in Colossians, there is a point where um, they speak about Christ being in me instead of Christ with me. There's a big difference there. And right about that time in my life was when I had learned that difference. God was no longer the the loving friend who was just there all the time, you know, as I saw him as I was younger. God was now there as a fighter in me for the struggles in life. And I really just started living with Christ in me at that point, instead of just Christ alongside of me. Um, and I think um, I developed my relationship. We were a lot, I was a lot closer to Jesus than I, I understood more of of who he really was, like the strength in him, and how he could help me get through some of the hard struggles in life that everyone goes through. Well, can you say amen for Lindsay's story? Thank you, Lindsay, for sharing your story with us today. Uh, just a great story. A couple things that I would just lift up out of the story is that part of what uh, probably resonates with a lot of you is is that in Lindsay's story, she talks about how she was raised in the church. And, and, and she didn't say it this way. I'll say it this way. But there are a lot of pitfalls if you're raised in the church because you can get lulled into thinking that church is about the religion and not the relationship. And she articulated that really well when she was talking about her struggle with baptism and stuff. And then she began to learn that Jesus was more than a name to her. And she said it so beautifully at the end when she was talking about the Bible study that she's in with some of the other ladies in our church about how they're studying Colossians and how they've recognized in the message that Paul lifts up out of Colossians that it's, it's not about Jesus being a friend that's out here. It's not about being with Jesus. It's about having Jesus in here. That he's more than a name. That she has in her life moved from believing to following. And that story that she told is, is a compelling story that will impact a lot of people's lives, just like your story will. And I want to challenge you this morning to do something that, that you might not be inclined to do, and that is to make sure that you're regularly seeking to tell your story 
by practicing your story with somebody in your world. If you're married, why aren't you trying to sharpen your BDA with your spouse? It's one of the great things you can do together as a spouse. Maybe when you get in the car today and head home, whoever's in the car with you, well, why don't you tell your story or one of your stories about how God has moved in your life? And, and let, let, let the people in the car critique your story for you so you can make it a little bit sharper. Friends, the only way that this world is ever going to know about the reality of God and who Jesus is is if you and I are in the business of telling our stories. So please, make it a priority for your life and your world. Think about your story. Think about when Jesus became more than a name. Think about a time in your life when Jesus really showed up and helped you through a big challenge that you faced or maybe or even are facing right now. Because I promise you, there's somebody that you're going to run into at work or in your family or somebody in your neighborhood that desperately needs to hear not somebody else's story. They need to hear your story and how God has changed you. We're going to sing in a moment now. And this, the song that we're going to sing now is a new song. And the song is called My Story. Imagine that. And the song begins by talking about the hope that I have because of my relationship with God. The hope that I have. Does your BDA have hope in it? If you don't know what a BDA is, or if your BDA doesn't have any hope in it, I want to invite you today to think seriously about your relationship with God. And to ask yourself the question, have I really given myself to God? Maybe you're here for the first time. Maybe you're watching online for the first time today. And, 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 and you feel something going on inside you, uh, uh, something that is moving there, something that is stirring in you. And, and that stirring, I always tell people, that stirring is the Holy Spirit working inside you, trying to get you to wake up and say, hey, smell the coffee. It smells like Jesus. And if you let Jesus in, Oh, the difference that he will make in your world. If you have not made Jesus the Lord of your life, I pray that today you will make that decision to, to allow Jesus to become the Lord of your life, the leader of your life, that you would become a follower of Jesus today, that you would learn that Jesus is not just somebody that's out here, but somebody that would be in here to give your life power and direction that you could find no place else. So let's stand and let's sing about my story.